Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome or welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. My name is Kate Noel and I am a content creator. I also do some modeling. I also am an eating disorder recovery coach and you know, I also have a podcast. So welcome. If you've never been here before, that's me. And today I am going to be talking about food. Woo. We love talking about food on this podcast. Um, So I have felt called to do this podcast episode because I feel that there is a lot of, I don't know, dogma when it comes to food. And so many people are throwing around the words like healing foods, which I think we all know, maybe not, but I'm assuming most of us know by now what people are kind of talking about when they say healing foods. I think people probably think of like superfoods, like kale or greens powders or goji berries. Oh my gosh, do y'all remember when goji berries were like freaking sent from God and like everyone who didn't eat goji berries was not healthy? Flashback that I feel like that's like 2013 era. Whoa. So, you know, healing foods, right? And I guess in 2022, that could look like I don't know, bone broth and um, traditional foods. And those foods are super healing. Um, Physically, they can be healing. Mentally, they can be healing. But I really wanted to offer a new perspective on food and when it comes to food being healing to broaden the idea of how literally all foods can be a part of a healing journey your healing journey. Um, and so it's kind of this new take, not like I'm claiming to know or make this up, but it's kind of this like new take on all foods fit. And so this is a kind of my version of all foods fit. Um, and hopefully this will encourage you to just eat the foods you're craving and you're thinking about and, Um, regardless of if they are quote traditionally healing or like have specific healing properties in them or not that like mainstream media and social media would consider as healthy or healing. Let's just talk about diet culture for a little bit. I haven't spoken about diet culture in a long time and really this is more so like food marketing. Um, but diet culture has really, and, and, and society in general and society's views on food that they like to input into other people's lives has really ripped us all of our own autonomy and empowerment and choice when it comes to food. There is just so much marketing in the food industry. And in the United, so in the United States, food manufacturers, restaurants, and stores spend roughly $11 billion annually on direct advertising like TV, magazine ads, radio, internet ads. And most food advertisements promote products that Americans already consume 
such as foods like candies, snacks, and soft drinks, and fast food. So we are already just alone being um, from literally the moment I think any of us watch TV, which I don't even think we know when that starts, uh, we are exposed to food advertisements. And now, like I said, with internet and social media, there's even more out there. And there's just tons and tons and tons of marketing that's telling us, do this, not this, this is better. And even in stores, right? Like actual food stores, if you just go, you know, shop around through um, the dollar store versus Whole Foods, the dollar store will have food marketing that's probably geared more towards income and financial health, whereas um, Whole Foods might be more like, I don't know, physical health um, claims or stuff like that. So it's really interesting um, just to give you kind of an idea of how much, uh, this is just an interesting uh, perspective and point that I remember um, learning about when I read the book Health at Every Size, but food manufacturers spend only 2%, still $159 million, but 2% of their direct advertising budget to promote sales of fruits, vegetables, grains, and beans. Um, and the USDA spend only $300 million annually on nutrition education. So it just goes to show that we are really kind of fed lots of information that isn't necessarily giving us autonomy over what we want. And, and I'm not saying fast food is bad or convenience foods or candies or snacks are bad at all. That is not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I'm hoping you get the opposite. But it is interesting that we are, as consumers, are really only, are really like only given advertisements on those types of foods. Like what can happen, I think, is that when people do uh, feel like, oh my gosh, I'm like being marketed towards and diet culture is, is, is attacking me or the food, you know, um, industry and the marketing industry is trying to get me to like buy certain things. When we feel that we can also, we can often go like the other route. So we can go really black and white with it. And I think so many people are like, okay, well that means that convenience foods and candies and snacks and soft drinks aren't healthy. They can't be healthy. They can't be a part of your healing journey and, and a healthy lifestyle. Um, and, it's just interesting how that can happen. You know, we have been targeted by food marketers for almost our entire lives because, and like even schools partner with certain brands, like with nutrition posters and vending machines and like even the education that we receive. And that's not even, like I said, including like label marketing and diet culture. That is like a monster of an issue within this realm. There is so much marketing on weight loss, clean, fat-free, whole 30 paleo keto whatever the heck is going on these days and this is so confusing especially if we do have a rocky relationship with food it can feel really overwhelming and even impossible to choose something using our own intuition and own sense of self diet culture labels and food marketing labels will often make people think that their bodies like natural weight regulation system is broken and re in reality the thing that often makes First of all, we're not broken. We're never broken. We don't need to be fixed. But chronically dieting does um, kind of move the needle up and down within our 
usually up with our natural weight regulation. So all this information that I'm talking about is essentially basically trying to make the point across of we do not have autonomy over our food. And it is hard in 2022, if you are you know, on your phone, on media, on TV, whatever, in stores, if you're basically not living off the grid, you are being targeted with certain food dogmas and different people's, um, you know, ideas about what foods are good and what foods are bad. And a lot of it ends up being about money. So it's just not a really fair situation. Um, but Let's curse our journeys for five minutes and let's bless ourselves for the rest of the time so we can move on. And hopefully this podcast will, you know, help us feel empowered. Yeah, what about medicinal foods or superfoods or healing foods? And I really want to stand this posture of all foods can be healing because there are so many aspects of health outside of nutrient density. Right, so I'm going to take some time to talk about the dimensions of health and wellness and examples of how all foods can be healing in each. So let's start with emotional. I want to start by saying if you consider yourself an emotional eater, raise your hand, right? Raise your hand. You're probably not really raising your hand, but maybe you are in your mind. We are all emotional eaters. I am an emotional eater. We are all emotional eaters. From the beginning of our lives, we are emotional eaters. The minute we're born, we want food, we're crying, we get food, we stop crying. It's comfort, right? So we are all emotional eaters. When we think of emotional health, we can think of comfort foods. We can think of nostalgia. We can think of special occasions. We can think of the celebration phases of life. I think this, if we have a rocky relationship with food, I feel like emotional eating is like the devil, And I want us to start reclaiming this idea that we are all emotional eaters. And the thing that I think most people can do if they are emotionally eating is to acknowledge that they are emotionally eating because so many people will eat to shut off their emotions. Whereas I encourage my clients to accept and acknowledge when they are emotionally eating and actually try and experience the emotion anyways. So For example, maybe you are really sad and going through a stressful time in your life. So maybe you're really stressed uh, and you're eating like lots of chocolate. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking about myself. Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. But seriously, you're eating lots of chocolate and you kind of notice that you're not really feeling like when you feel stressed, you just go to eat chocolate. Okay. I want you to feel the stress and have some chocolate to start, or maybe wait to have the chocolate, journal about your emotions, or use what I call a feelings wheel. You can just Google feelingswheel.com. Find out what you're feeling and do something about what you're feeling, even if it is eat the chocolate, or if it's journal about it, or if it's reach out to somebody, or if it's breathe, take three deep breaths, and then eat the chocolate. Like I don't actually know what you need to do. Only you can experiment and find out what you need to do to like metabolize your emotions and have the chocolate or don't have the chocolate. But wow, I want chocolate now. Okay. So emotionally eating is not good. It's not bad, right? It's neutral and we can, and we all do it. We all have different, um, 
you know, needs for like, it's a, it's like a need. Emotionally eating is like a need in our life. Like we need that emotional connection with food. So if you have an emotional connection with food, that makes you human. That doesn't make you bad. That makes you a human being. Um, and so that is an example of how like any food can be like an emotional food, right? Like I said, comfort foods or nostalgic foods, or just foods that we associate with certain emotions. Obviously there's a line where I don't want us to, like, I don't want us to numb out our feelings and emotions with food. That's not what I'm saying, but it, it is a, it is a healthy part of, and healing part of our lives. So the next dimension I want to talk about is spiritual health. So we are all spiritual beings. At least I think we are. Not everyone thinks that we are, but even if you don't think we are, um, hopefully you at least, or you believe that there is something, you know, out there. And if you don't, that's okay too. But essentially food is, is sacrificial, right? So um, would back in the day when we were like hunter gatherers or like really like fighting for our food, there was a lot more sacrifice, personal sacrifice that went into like getting our foods. And so food used to be a lot more spiritual because people like literally died eating and like people just, it was just meant so much more. Like today in 2022, we have grocery stores, we have so much access like to whatever foods we really want. Granted, we have the means to get there and to have the money to to buy the food but we have access better access than ever online in person on the street corners you know there's food trucks everywhere whatever so we have so much access to it that we've really never had before and because of that like we I'm really grateful for that and we can be grateful for that and I often forget how much sacrifice actually goes into let's say I get some fruit at a fruit stand I don't actually really think about how much sacrifice goes into making that fruit. When I really break it down, I think, okay, like there's mango and coconut and watermelon in this cup. And where did the cup come from? Who, what about the guy or, or girl or woman, man who's serving me and working all day? What about the coconut farmer? What about the mango farmer? What about the driver who drove uh, or hauled the mango what about the train that brings all the food here? Like, I don't even actually really even know what goes into it, but it's really interesting when you kind of take that element of spirituality and bring it into your food. I mean, if we don't eat food, then we die. So it is a connection. It is a way for us to be connected to our food. I mean, tons of religions all over the world, almost all religions, I think, I don't really study religion, but almost all religions, I think, have a food element involved. So this is a really personal one, right? Like what foods or practices connect you to earth? And there are tons of foods. Any food can be spiritual. So it doesn't matter if the food is like processed or not. If you feel connected to earth, if you feel connected to the people around you, if you feel connected to yourself, if you feel connected to like a farmer or an animal or a plant, um, then that is so beautiful. And that is an opportunity for you to just continue to nourish yourself with healing foods. Even if that food is like chicken nuggets from McDonald's, like truly that can be a spiritual <laughs> a food. Like as much as I 
I think that's maybe sounds silly. Like it's so true. So that's my take on the spiritual element of food. Okay. Intellectual is the next realm is the next healing, um, our health realm. Okay. So our brains need food. Sometimes our brains need healthy foods. Sometimes they need processed foods. We need blood sugar regulation. We need hormonal regulation. And all of these things can only really happen um, and support our intellectual health if we're well-fed. And any restriction does not equal being well-fed, in my opinion. So if we are restricting ourselves, restricting our cravings, then there's a chance we're not supporting our intellectual health. And I think it's interesting because there's a lot of buzz around like brain foods right now, which I think amazing. There's there's so much evidence that like certain foods are really healthy for our brains, like walnuts and, and healthy fats and whatever. Um, and you know, we can also like really need to eat convenience foods or, um, whatever other food you're thinking of that's not considered an, an intellectual or like brain food. Um, so like the communication with your brain and your endocrine system and your thyroid and your, um, digestion and your blood and everything, right? So to support this, we need to be eating and we need to be well-fed and we need to have pleasure in our lives. And so, um, yeah, I think it's important to remember that the intellectual part of our, um, health, our intellectual health can be supported by foods. Like I'm just imagining a college student in the library studying for finals, eating, you know, whatever is open, eating vending machine snacks because they need that food to study, to stay awake and to study for their exams and stuff like that. So, um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be like brain food, quote, like healthy brain food. It can be whatever they are able to access in the moment. Um, and there's tons of other opportunities for you to support your intellectual health with any food. Um, social is the next component of health that I wanted to talk about. And so, yeah, obviously social connection is huge with food, you know, going out to eat, having fun foods, being spontaneous, having fun brunches and dinners and celebrations with your friends, with your family, with your significant other. So the expression of pleasure with others through food does bring us typically closer together, um, you know, so it's so, so, so critical to allow yourselves to say, like, looking at Thanksgiving as a great example, like, some people would say a Thanksgiving meal isn't always the healthiest, right? Like, store-bought pumpkin pie, not, maybe most people wouldn't consider that a health food or a healing food, but me, I would because it is so crucial to you know, have that shared moment with somebody. Like I'm doing a challenge today, like I'm doing a food challenge and I went out and had a fall coffee beverage today. And I was just like looking at the pumpkin spice latte art on the Starbucks menu today. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is so cool that like, it's like kind of hilarious and cringy how obsessed everyone is with like pumpkin spice lattes. Um, personally, I don't really care about care for them that much, but it's kind of amazing that like we're all socially brought together by the idea of a food like pumpkin spice latte. Like, 
we have access to pumpkin all year round. We can go and make ourselves a pumpkin spice latte, like literally whenever we want in like the middle of summer. But we don't because we have this social healing, healthy aspect. Like there is, I I guarantee there is something so healing in all of us that is like autumn, like, right? Like the season of autumn or the season of winter, seasons changing and how different foods can just be a part of this like healing opportunity for us to connect with ourselves and connect with other people. So this is just such an important point. Like there, like food is healing in the social realms of life. Absolutely. So it's so critical to be open to that. So the last health realm I want to talk about is financial health. This is so relevant to this topic. In 2021, 33.8 million people lived in food insecure households in the U.S. So we clearly have a problem with not having money, not having the access to having food deserts where people don't have access to healthy food or healthy grocery stores or grocery stores at all. Um, people don't have access to and the means to buy themselves Erwan foods. They can't even, some people can't even buy themselves, you know, dollar store food. So we have to keep in mind that financial health is so important and financial health and, and the healing foods can look like eating the more processed or convenient or cheaper meals and foods. It's not necessarily fair. It isn't fair. It's not fair that, you know, foods like why is an apple more expensive than a processed apple? It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense and it's not fair, but that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Um, And so eating conventional foods like non-organic, that is so critical to many, many people's financial health. Even for my financial health at different times of my life, I choose and opt for uh, cheaper or more affordable alternatives. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be, you know, I don't know. It's nothing to be ashamed of, honestly, because it's such an important aspect of health. And so having like the chips or the fast food or the dollar menu off of McDonald's can be a really healing part of somebody's journey um, because maybe they have a financial um, the a financial burden that they need to prioritize above eating a a more expensive meal or a more expensive burger or whatever it might be. Um, So I hope this podcast kind of helped validate you and your journey with food being healing. Like I'm all about eating healing and traditional foods. And I've definitely myself like thrown that word around, but I'm trying to really be more mindful about that. I, this idea that like all foods fit and we deserve, we all deserve to feel autonomy and empowered choice over the foods that we're eating, regardless of what they are. Like I want us to be able to, um, feel empowered with every single thing that we choose because every single thing that we choose, there is a reason for it. Um, and even if the reason for it doesn't feel very obvious, I don't believe that you're making chaotic decisions out of nowhere. You know, I believe that we all make mindful decisions and we all are doing our best when it comes to food. So, so if you need to have 
fast food like three nights this week, then fine. Like you should, and you should feel empowered to do that. Um, because there's a reason why maybe it's emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social, financial, whatever it is, you, this world isn't chaotic and you know, you are making those choices for a reason. So I really just hope this podcast can kind of help you to feel empowered with the decisions that you're making when it comes to food in, in your life and to remember that not everyone is on the same journey as you and there is so much freaking, there's already enough out there telling you that you should be eating this and you shouldn't be eating this and this is better for you and this is bad for you and then this is worth your money, this isn't worth your money. Like, honestly, screw all of that. It doesn't matter. Obviously, it's not that easy to just remove it from our lives. But you know what I mean? It You got this. Like, you can make these decisions and you don't have to rely on um, the the person on social media who's telling you to eat this versus this, like that's not always relevant for everyone's lives. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. So anyways, all that to say, all food is healing. All food can fit into your healing journey. And I hope that this podcast helped you feel that. Um, wow. That is going to be it for today's episode. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, can you please give me a rating and review. It would mean so, so much to me. Um, and go ahead and click the show notes down below to follow my podcast, Instagram, take the cakes, little Instagram, which is so cute these days. I love it. It's amazing. Um, and so I just would love to connect on there and on my, um, own Instagram, which is Kate Noel underscore underscore. So you can check the show notes for all that down below. Thank you all so much for being here and I'll see you next week. Bye.